0: Welcome back to another episode of the Mama To Be Honest podcast. My name is Jenea. This is episode eight. It is a Friday evening. I actually logged out of work a couple hours ago and I took took an impromptu nap. You might be wondering why are you not picking up your kids from daycare? Well, the answer is every first Friday of the month, it is such... A great treat. So I absolutely adore the daycare that my kids go to because they are like family to us. And every first Friday of the month, they treat basically they treat the parents and they allow you to kind of opt in to what they call like PJ party, which is just like extended care through 8 p.m. So they have like a PJ party. You pack their PJs. They have dinner. They make them dinner. They watch fun cartoons and Miss Rachel and they have a dance party and it's just a blast. Jade is obsessed. Malachi loves it too. And they come home. They're so exhausted because they have so much fun with their friends. They also invite back some of the old kids that are kind of moved on to preschool and they they just have this huge party and then just gives parents the opportunity to have like an extended afternoon or a date night. Maurice and I usually use it for date nights, but Today, I used it for just getting a lot of my work work done. I had a lot to do today for my, I guess you'll call it my regular job. And then I wanted to get this podcast recorded and I totally ate up like an hour of my time. I just passed out on my bed and it was glorious. I kind of woke up in a stupor like every afternoon nap does. I feel wonderful. I woke up and I was like, what year is it? And where are my children? (laughs) So God bless our daycare providers, teachers, family. They are so good. They do charge for this care as they should. They deserve every penny and so much more. But it is just a special treat. It's so thoughtful. And I'm sure they enjoy it too, because it's just a few extra hours for a really great chunk of cash. So good for them. And thank God, this is just a wonderful treat. And it's so out of the ordinary to have an extended evening. I feel like there are two rounds of chaos for working parents with kids that are either in daycare or eventually into the school years. You've got like the morning rush where you're just rushing to get everyone, everyone's lives together and out the door. Lunches is packed and hair done and clo- and clothes on babies and using the potty. So that's like your first round of chaos. And then you've got like your, your afternoon shift chaos where everyone gets home. Everyone needs to be fed. Everyone needs to be bathed, read a book, tantrums, mellowed, <laughs> and somehow into bed. I live for the for that chaos, and then weekends are just 24-7 that, and I freaking love it. I try not to be too envious of stay-at-home parents, stay-at-home moms. It is something I, I really long for. It's not something I've ever been able to do full-time outside of my stints on maternity leave. I don't want to be like, oh, that's the dream life, and that would be... That would be so ideal. I think it would be ideal for me because I just, I just really, I, I desire to have that. But at the same time, it's still a full time job. It's still, it's still so much work. And I know that every type of situation has its trade offs. So yeah, sorry for my intro spiel. Next weekend, before we get started, next weekend we're actually gonna take a break from the podcast. So we are gonna have a break. As you could guess, because it's Mother's Day and we don't work on Mother's Day. (laughs) So I hope you mamas are having great Mother's Day plans in the works and that you won't be doing much. And I am still figuring out what it is that I want to do next weekend. I'm not the kind of person that just likes to stay in bed all day even though that sounds wonderful. I just know that I'll do it for like an hour and then I will wanna I'll want be like, okay, what, what what needs to be done? This is, now let's get out of bed, <laughs> but we'll see. I actually might want to do that or at least maybe sleep in through the morning, the morning chaos and have a little bit of a break, but I don't know. So let me know what your Mother's Day plans are. I saw this really funny clip on TikTok this week of this person interviewing moms in like Central Park, asking them, you're a mom, what is it that you really want for Mother's Day? And no woman, no mother said flowers, which I think is hilarious (laughs) because like the quintessential Mother's Day gift is like flowers and chocolates and these lavish gifts that are very surface level when all I want to do is sleep. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I love receiving flowers. I think flowers bring so much life to your home. And I just, I love, I love them, even though they're, they tend to be expensive and short lived. I love flowers. It's a goal of mine. Eventually it's like a, it's on the bottom of my, my goals list, but I want to learn how to, garden beautiful florals so I don't have to buy them for myself yeah so maybe maybe one day I'll make that a priority but flowers are still on my list for for mother's day but I I don't really know where it sits on sleeping in not having to do anything (laughs) we do a lot we do a lot ladies so this week we don't have a topic per se we don't have like a core conversation. I thought last week's episode was so much fun with Talia, Dr. Ta- Dr. Talia Moore, my sister-in-law. I absolutely adore her. She is first of all, she's hilarious, you guys. I listened back to that episode and I was like, "My gosh, my sister-in-law is a gem." I <laughs> I am obsessed with her <laughs> and I just admire her so much. So I hope you I hope you really enjoyed that episode. I got a lot of great reception on that episode. So remind me to bring the McClure sibs back on. (laughs) I thought it it would be fun to eventually do like a parents roundtable. I don't know what that would look like yet, but I think it would, if done correctly, I think it would be really fun and have a lot of funny moments in there. That brings me to this week. This week, we don't have a set topic to go through. I thought it would be cool to maybe go a little bit more into myself and... T- talk about myself and the kind of uh, person I am, or a little bit about me outside of, outside of mom, and then we'll go into a purely ask me anything themed episode. So I put out an AMA. AMA means ask me anything. I put it out like a few times on my Instagram this week, and just wanted to get a ton and ton and ton of questions, and then fill the episode with just a mixed bag of the questions that I got, and just kind of see where the the, the conversation takes us. So I feel like when I started this podcast, I didn't really do like an an extended picture or look at myself because I kind of just wanted to jump into the material. But I'm realizing that I haven't talked too much about my background and who I am, where I'm from. So for those curious, otherwise, you can fast forward if you're like you're boring, lady. My name is no. (laughs) I was born in a little town called San Luis Obispo, California. San Luis Obispo is like smack dab in between northern and southern California. It's like the central coast, like right on the coastline. I spent most of my life there. I kind of bopped around San Luis Obispo County as a kid. We moved a lot. Just like all, all the towns in Slow County I have lived in. So mostly Morro Bay, Atascadero, Los Osos. Those are kind of like the big three for me. I spent most of my childhood years. My mom and dad got married in San Luis Obispo, had me a couple years later, spent my early years in Atascadero. In And we lived in Los Osos up until the point my parents got divorced. Then I lived with my mom, and uh, my dad moved into the Central Valley of California. He battled a lot of addiction issues from my early childhood all the way through my college years. And I've talked a little bit about my dad's recovery, but he is a fully recovered alcoholic, opiates addict, and he is thriving in life. I am... I could do a whole episode about my dad. I'm just so incredibly proud of him. He is... We have a really scarred relationship, but I think it is it is being so beautifully rebuilt now that I have children and, you know, once I've gotten married and kind of redeveloping a relationship with him sober has taken a lot of time and I think a lot of hesitation on my part, but he is such a wonderful person and I really look up to him. And I love him so dearly. But yeah, we we have had a pretty scarred relationship throughout my younger years. And I am so proud to say that that has transformed into something so beautiful and wonderful in my adult years. It's crazy to think that I am the age that my parents were when they were kind of figuring things out with me. (laughs) Because I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I know so little about life in the world compared to what I need to learn and to know that they had me and I was just, you know, a little kid bopping around. They're trying to make it work. My entire family grew up around me. I, I, I did not have any siblings growing up. I do have a brother. Now, my mom remarried when I was nine years old and they had my brother when I was 16, almost 17. So we have a pretty far um, age difference. And my brother is now 15, which is crazy. Makes me feel like a raisin. <laughs> my brother is now getting to that age where we, we are having, like, we are pulling back the layers on conversations. And I'm like, okay, I really need to, I am I am a mom first and foremost, but I need to remember that I need to, you know, step up as a big sister. So he is such a great young man and I I try to I try to be hip with what he's interested in but I, don't, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I went to high school in Morro Bay, California. It's a little school right next to the beach. I was a really shy kid in school. I am an introvert extrovert. I am an introvert in certain situations and an extrovert once you really get to know me and if I'm like super, super comfortable in situations, I see a lot of that in my daughter. I see that she is initially kind of reserved and like keeping to herself, but you really got to get her in the right environment or on the right people that she trusts and loves and then she'll kind of open up. So that was me in in school, all throughout school, all through my childhood, generally very quiet, very shy, very reserved, opening up into myself. <laughs> I will do my best to not act like I'm just reading off of my LinkedIn, (laughs) the cringe Facebook of the internet. No, but I did my undergrad at UC Berkeley and I received my MBA at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo immediately after that. So a lot of school, a lot of academia in my life. Do I think it was all worth it? Ask me that over a glass of wine. I would love to share. (laughs) I don't know if that's something I feel (laughs) comfortable talking through right now, but We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Ethnically, my background, people tend to tell me that I am ethnically ambiguous. A lot of people think I am Asian Pacific Islander, like Hawaiian, which I am not. I am Asian Pacific Islander in a different regard. I My mom is Filipino, and my dad is a crazy mutt. <laughs> my dad is Mexican uh, American, uh, Native American, Irish... Probably some other stuff. My maiden name is Lundblade, which is interesting. Lundblade, it's Swedish, but I'm actually not Swedish by blood. My dad was formally adopted by his stepfather when he was a young child. He is not actually a Lundblade by blood. I don't know a ton of my dad's side of the family. I mainly grew up around my mom's side of the family. We are this huge Filipino family that loves to sing karaoke, loves to cook, loves to go to church, loves to serve the Lord. Like, we are just this huge, fun family. And that was my life growing up, just always around my cousins and always around my aunties and uncles. We are not a perfect family, but just so many fun memories created around the kitchen and people's backyard, just barbecues all the time, lechon all the time. And just that community and that family is something that I will always appreciate about my mom's side of the family. They are the siblings I had when I didn't have siblings growing up. I just was obsessed with my big cousins and playing with them and playing, playing house, <laughs> playing house and walking into Rite Aid and getting snacks, getting donuts. Just some of the best memories of my life. I am so sad because we all live kind of sporadically throughout the state now, even some out of state. My younger cousin lives in Hawaii. I have a lot of family in Los Angeles and then some still back in San Luis Obispo. So, we definitely don't see each other as much anymore. And that's one thing I also really think about often with with my with my kids is we don't have a lot of immediate family around like locally. Yes, we have like my mother-in-law's family. We they live in San Francisco about an hour from us. We have my sister-in-law, of course, and her and her two daughters, but we don't have family with kids close to my kids' age in proximity like I did when I was a kid. And I think that makes me a little bit like, oh, should I we need to kind of think about, you know, the family community aspect of of our kids. It's something I think about often, and I always kind of question, like, is there something we should be, like, more intentionally be doing about making that happen? Like, do we think about relocating? Do we <laughs> do we ask people to come live near us? No. <laughs> but that is something that was so paramount in my life as a kid, and having that immediate community outside of, like, your school friends, the school homies, is have always having your family, your cousins nearby, and that's something that our kids don't have. So... It might challenge us in other ways to actually go meet our neighbors, and we have met our neighbors, but we don't spend time with them, and they have young kids, so we just have to suck it up a bit and and maybe do a little more to, to give our kids that kind of home community. I lived, like, blocks from my cousins. I would, like, run to their house and just hop from house to house, like a two-minute walk to each other's houses, and it just makes me sad my kids don't have that right now, so... Maybe one day I'll be patient and maybe I need to work a little harder at that. But these are the things that make me who I am and the things I reflect on. Maybe I'll just chip o- I'll chip away at my <laughs> my personal resume in future episodes. Let us jump in to the AMA portion, so the ask me anything portion of the episode. I asked I had I had no I had no type of parameters around this AMA this week, and we got a little bit of everything. I kid you not. I kind of want to start with... Do, 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 do. I would love to start with this one. Bree A. Hill. Hi, Bree. Thank you so much for submitting question. You are a repeat question submitter. I so appreciate that. Please keep them coming. I'm... <laughs> That makes me so happy. Brie asks, was picking your kids' names a challenge? What other names were in the running? I love this question. So Maurice and I were always set on our kids' names being very unique, but we also would put them through kind of the test of will they be made fun of in school? (laughs) I don't know if that is uh, something that, people do when considering their their baby names, but it's something that we did both times. And I don't know if we I don't know if you're ever effectively able to rule everything out, but we tried to. So we actually had a name we were set on another name for Jade probably the majority of my pregnancy. And then two weeks before I gave birth, I woke up and I was like, I'm naming her Jade. I'm naming her Jade. We're naming her Jade, and Maurice loved it. But before Jade popped up into my mind, we were going to name her Ezra. We were going to name her Ezra. We loved that name, because, and I still love that name. We love that name because it's it's generally reserved for a little boy, and I thought it was a really unique kind of name that could be unisex, and I've always loved the name Ezra, and I thought how cute would it be to have our baby girl named Ezra, and we were going to have her middle name be June because that's the month that we were married and we could call her Junie. So Ezra June was going to be her name. And that is not what we named her. That's <laughs> still It's still a name that we kind of keep in in the vault if we ever, well, I guess not in the vault anymore, but we'll always kind of keep that name uh you know, kind of on the list if we, if we ever have more kids or part of the name, like we love the idea of having a little Junie or having a June somewhere, somewhere in a future child's name. So whether it be a middle name, so we were going to name her Ezra June and we were going to call her Junie. And then one day I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, we need to name her Jade. And I just love that name. I I love I love a single syllable name because I am a triple syllable name, and it can get real complicated. <laughs> so I loved the name. I love the name Jade. It's so beautiful and to the point, just like her. <laughs> and Maurice was set on thinking about a really unique piece for her middle name. And her middle name, unlike her first unlike her first name, is very unique. And people ask us, oh, like why, you know, why did you why did you choose this middle name? So her middle name is de la fe, which means of faith. So de la fe like like in Spanish, D E L A F E. If we were to characterize that pregnancy, it is through faith because there were so many kind of trials and challenges and just mental roadblocks for me during her pregnancy and it was also a really challenging time to be pregnant my faith was challenged a lot and we just had to kind of push through and and have faith that that god was going to to protect our baby and to see her through and bring her earthside safely and we knew that that was going to be her, her middle name and we actually perfected it in the hospital because we were like, okay, we had a couple other ones in mind, but de la fe was what it ended up being and we and we love it. Sorry Ezra June, you are now J de la Fe. <laughs> and then for Malachi Oh man, we actually had no in- we had no intention of giving Jade like a J name, and obviously my name is a J name. But during during my pregnancy with Malachi, we were just like, oh, Jade has a J name. Maybe we give our boy an M name since Maurice starts with an M. Like that would be kind of cute, kind of kitschy. So we could we'll run with it. So we tr- we started to explore M names. And we 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 just had this long, I, I can't even really think of all the M names that we were considering, but nothing really, we, we didn't really fall in love with anything. We're just like, well, it'll, it'll come to us. <laughs> and it was, we just didn't, we never really sat down and thought about it too much. And whenever we did, we were just like, oh, let's talk about this later. <laughs> I was just so tired all the time that I didn't want to think about Think about it. I think the only other name that came close was Makai, M E K H I. I love that name, like Makai Pfeiffer. <laughs> I love that name, Makai. But Maurice wasn't super sold on it. We just kind of let it go, and we're just like, oh, well, like may- maybe one day before we give birth, we'll we'll get it figured out. Otherwise. The very, at the, at the very like worst case scenario, we'll come home with a blank birth certificate. <laughs> we'll have to figure it out. One evening I was reading my Bible and I was reading the book of Malachi, which is spelled differently than actually how we spelled it. It's spelled, biblically, it's spelled M-A-L-A-C-H-I. That's like really beautiful traditional spelling, but it, you know, we didn't, we wanted to put a little twang on it and I read the book of Malachi and it really spoke to me. And it's the only book in the Bible where the Lord says, test me in this. And that really spoke to me because I'm very comfortable saying that I am, I'm a woman of faith. I believe, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And I haven't lived it out as much as I feel like I should. And I think now that I have kids, my, my, my perspective is kind of being challenged or, or, or changing a bit on you know, what What I can do to be a better person, a better child of God. And when I read the book of Malachi, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this really speaks to me. <laughs> and so I, I brought it to Maurice and I'm like, how do you like the name Malachi? And he was like, Yeah. <laughs> so we went with it. And he also didn't like that traditional biblical spelling. So wanted to kind of bring an AI in there because it I have, I've got a handful of AIs in my name. And so we spelled his name M-A-L-A apostrophe K-A-I to give it a little sauce. And that was my baby's name. We just knew that was his name. My (laughs) mom, it's so funny because before my baby shower, my mom was giving me, or she was trying to make for me like this personalized bracelet with my baby's names on them. And she kept bothering me for Malachi's name. And I'm like, mom, like. I don't know what the name is yet. And luckily I was able to give it to her and she was able to get a, a bracelet engraved for me with Maurice's name and their names. And it's so special to me. So other names for Malachi, <laughs> another one just kind of popped up into my head before we realized the whole M and J thing for our kids. This is embarrassing. Pregnancy mom brain. Also, I was considering naming him ever. Yeah. <laughs> Sit with that one for a minute, ever, E-V-E-R. I thought it was like, it's like Gwyneth naming her kid Apple. You know, it's unique. It's like, oh, I never, never would have thought about naming a child that. (laughs) I brought it to Maurice and he was like, absolutely not. (laughs) He was like, can you imagine what kids are going to say on the playground? Whatever. (laughs) So that one went out the door real quick, but I thought it was cute at the time. If I'm ever going to, if I'm ever going to name my kid Ever. <laughs> Maybe it'll be the last kid. No. <laughs> but great question, Bree. Yeah, I I'm also there are other names in the vault that we like. I have always loved the name Naomi. I love the name Naomi. If we're going to stick with the J and M thing though, it's probably not going to work out once we have more kids. And yes, manifesting that once we have more kids. So I like I like the narrow scope of the J and the M. It also makes things easier to narrow things down. So, all right, next question. I love this question. And I'm so excited for this person. Rochelle Roy says, I'm about to start corporate and I have to go into an office. What time do you wake up and sleep? First of all, congratulations, Rochelle. I know that you've been... On the job hunt for a while. I'm so excited for you. How exciting. I really want to hear how things go for you. The shift into corporate life. Oh my gosh, how exciting. But yeah, definitely going to be shifting up your morning routine and evening routine. And it's really going to take some trial and error because I know you have three kids. I As much as you can start with earlier, the better is going to be kind of a good like trial and error for you. Because once you figure out like your commute, and how long it takes for you to get everything ready for the kids in the morning and what drop-off looks like the the more realistic wake-up time that you can figure out. But I don't know if my situation is going to be a good point of reference for you because I do work at home primarily. I would say, well, maybe it is because I do have a commute to get my kids dropped off in the morning. What time do I... Wake up. I wake up anywhere between five and six thirty. It honestly depends on the day. <laughs> this past week, though, I don't know. It's been it's been a little it's been a little rough. My husband had a conference this week, so I knew that I would be taking care of pickup and drop off. So I I did start. I woke up earlier this week just so I could get everything done. The car packed. The house woken up. All like the pre day chores done before they woke up. So I actually woke up at like 4.45 for two days and it was awful. I would say to be safe, like I don't know what your morning routine looks like, start with like a safe 5.30. I think that's a good place to start. I also don't know how long your commute is. So bake that into the mix too. And from where you're at, maybe subtract 30 minutes and start there. So I tend to wake up between 5 and 6.30. 6.30 is on a bad day and then I'm just rushing and stressed. So I try my best to wake up before 6am and then at night I am, I try, I'm trying my best to be a night owl because I want to get a lot of work done at night after my kids go to bed but I am just wiped after the work day and after, after the kitty chaos of, of getting, kids into bed and then thinking about getting the house clean and making dinner so i'm usually this is so embarrassing i'm usually knocked out on the couch by like 9:45. a new year's resolution of mine that i have not been sticking to is developing a good nighttime routine for myself so bringing myself upstairs having like a hot steam towel on my face doing like a skincare routine reading my bible i have not <laughs> i have not done this this is this has been the resolution that i have just kicked to the curb and I want to do it. I'm just like,, oh, it just takes so much time to have a night routine. but if you've got a good night routine or a good place to start, let me know. But yeah, I'm usually in I'm usually asleep a sleep on the couch by 945 and then I waddle myself to myself up to bed by like 10: thirty. and Maurice is usually in bed by like 11, 11 thirty. That would mean I get, yeah, I, I get about seven, eight hours of sleep a night. I could always sleep more, but it's usually enough for me. So you probably know your sleep habits best and what you need to thrive. It is going to kind of be a shock to the system as you go into an office and it is going to add a little bit of stimulation to your day, like being around people and having a new environment. So I would say if you can try to get a bit more sleep since you are going to be adding a new environment to your daily routine and working kind of in that office environment and socializing and like that office rush, like the, like the, like the vibes of an office, that office energy. And you'll come home and you'll be like winded, like, oh, I just want to sit here. (laughs) And then you can't because you've got babies. So I hope that helps. I'm very excited for you. And I would love to hear how your first week goes. Next question here. I I don't know how to say your handle. I always say Mary on the Kate, but I don't think that's right. (laughs) Hi, Mary Kate. I hope you're doing well. Thank you for asking the question. Mary-Kate's also a a repeat question asker, so I appreciate it. Mary-Kate asks, how did you come to the conclusion about how long you wanted to try to breastfeed? Great question. So the first time around, I did not know how long I wanted to breastfeed. I just wanted to do it and try it. And it's so funny because it is like kind of embarrassing how little I knew about this whole process when I was pregnant. We read like one baby book we definitely should have read more. I'm going to be the first to admit like all of these embarrassing assumptions that I had. Because my mom never breastfed, she, she pumped and bottle fed both of me and my brother. I was always under the assumption that breastfeeding meant like giving your child milk that comes from your breast, not necessarily the act of Having your child latched to your breast, so I always, I always thought that like pumping and pumping and bottle feeding was breastfeeding. <laughs> so when people would ask me like, "Oh, are you breastfeeding?" I'm like, "Yeah, of course, I'm gonna try to." But I, I, I had no idea that the act and the trial of of breastfeeding it was su- like was and is such a topic of consideration for women because it is such a hard thing to do it is not always possible and that's not anyone's fault and like that could that could be a concern of like you know milk supply or whether a baby successfully latches or if a baby has like a tongue tie or a lip tie it is not always possible regardless of how your body naturally is inclined to breastfeed it's not always possible and you should never assume that it's always possible because it, it isn't so I'm very lucky that I was able to breastfeed both of my kids, but it was not—it was not a pretty sight at first with Jade. I'm gonna get a little TMI here for a second. When I started breastfeeding Jade, my nipples were like—it's like going at your nipples with razor blades. Like that was the feeling of getting breastfeeding down, especially in the first two weeks when you are sleep deprived and you don't know up from down. And I will go into my entire breastfeeding journey in another episode, but. At that point that was like I was almost certain that we were not going to make this work because it was just not it was not good for my mental health at that time. I was just like this isn't worth it I want to push through so badly but I am in so much physical pain and luckily a lot of the support and resources given to me actually did help me be able to to have a thriving breastfeeding journey and get over that hump but that's not that's not always the case for some women. So once we got over that hump, once things were working well, I I actually didn't know I didn't know with Jade how long I wanted to breastfeed. The forcing factor with her is that she would not take a bottle, so I I was a milk machine with both of my kids for about s- at six or seven months. More with longer with Malachi, but with Jade it was six it was six or seven months, and I was just super fruitful <laughs> in my booby juice and. We, I had so much milk I would pump in between her feedings and I was always swollen and always, always have an overabundance of milk. So I was like, man, if, if this girl would just take a bottle, I could just have a physical break. She would not take a bottle. I had to, I, I had to breastfeed her for as long as, you know, she wouldn't take a bottle and she wouldn't, I would leave the house and she wouldn't take a bottle, it was uh, it was really hard for me because I I physically couldn't go anywhere and that's great like I want to be with my baby twenty four seven but kind of like what Talia was talking about last week like you you can't get a minute you can't be you can't be fully there and I wasn't at times I loved it though that's the one thing even though she wouldn't take a bottle I loved breastfeeding just that that closeness that I felt with with my baby was unlike any other experience that I'll ever have. And it's just such a beautiful bonding, bonding process, bonding moment. But around the six month mark, my milk significantly dried up. And I tried to, I tried a couple of supplements, tried a couple of things, but nothing, nothing really worked. And I had a very similar experience with Malachi. And so at that time, we had to find supplemental n- nutrition in, in the form of formula for her. And that's when she started taking a bottle because I think she knew that <laughs> she wasn't going to get it from me anymore and she's not going to sacrifice her meals. So that's when I stopped breastfeeding, breastfeeding her. I didn't really have kind of a, a time frame in mind with her. I, I guess I had just assumed because she wasn't taking a bottle that I would breastfeed her until she was over a year old at least. And my body had different plans <laughs> and I I had to stop breastfeeding her around six, seven months. It was really sad for me. I was just I was very emotional about it. But she took to it fine. I think she she loved formula and she got onto it right away and she continued thriving. And I will cherish those those months with her. And then my second breastfeeding journey with Malachi when we brought him home getting getting the latch down and getting everything down was much easier with him just because I kind of knew what to, what to do and, and techniques to try to get that that latch relationship optimal and 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 good and we didn't have any issues there it is not like riding a bike though because every kid is different and you don't know if you know a kid is gonna have issues sucking or um, or swallowing or if they have issues with like a tongue tie or a lip tie. Luckily, he didn't have any of those issues, and he took to it pretty pretty fast. That kid is so food motivated, he came out of the womb knowing what to do, and I didn't have nearly as many issues or um, as much pain with my breastfeeding journey with Malachi that I did with Jade. Once that was established, I was like, oh man, I love this, this is amazing, and he took a bottle early on, so we had the flexibility of kind of going back and forth, and I was like... I love this. I could even go on a weekend trip if I wanted to and knowing he could he could have a bottle and that that allowed us to go to my best friend's wedding when he was 3 months old and I knew, okay, thank God, he have enough milk in the freezer. He takes a bottle, he's going to eat and that was great. And because there was that balance and because the breastfeeding, he was just thriving and the breast our breastfeeding journey was thriving. That I was like, I could I want to do this for like a million years. <laughs> so I had the goal, I set out the goal for myself to breastfeed for 18 months. And I think, I don't know if this is like super hard set everywhere, but I think the recommended recommended time to nurse or breastfeed as much as you can is up to or even past two years of age. Like That just seemed like such a long time for me. Like if that if I could go that long, then wonderful. Like I see women do it all the time. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. But I set my I set the goal for myself to be 18 months. And I put a lot of hard work into being up even after he started sleeping through the night around six weeks of age, I would still like (laughs) I always joke, everyone was sleeping through the night except me. Everyone was sleeping through the night except me. (laughs) Because I would be up at 1 a.m. making sure that I pumped to keep up my milk supply. And we had we we had bought a deep freezer for the garage and I would organize and and stash my milk and I was on the road to success of 18 months. (laughs) And then once that 7-month period rolled around, my body again had other plans, and it's so weird because it did the exact same thing that it did with Jade. It just totally plummeted. My milk supply was it was like it was like pulling teeth to get milk out. And he was still nursing, but he would visibly be hungry after a nursing session, like 20 minutes of nursing, and he would still be hungry, so we had to start supplementing with formula. That's when I started every trick in the book. I tried every trick in the book to get up my milk supply. Sometimes things would work. So I tried I tried the tea. I tried different herbs. I tried herbal pills. I tried um, fenugreek. I tried different seeds. I tried cookie recipes. You name it, I tried it. And sometimes things would work maybe for like a week. I think, I think. But it just, nothing. nothing was sustainable. Nothing worked. Power pumping, that was misery. Oh my gosh. It was like so painful to power pump. If you don't know what power pumping is, it's basically pumping your breasts into oblivion until your body is somehow like woken up, like, oh, I need to produce more milk. That kind of worked for me, but it just was not worth the pain. And so around. I made it work. I made it stretch until about 10 months of age. And we were still very much supplementing with formula. And then at one point I was just like, you know what? I was able to, I was able to come this far. We've got, we've got uh, a really kind of good, like supplemental nursing relationship going. I'm just going to let it kind of wean out and let him take the lead. And once he started becoming like fully more interested on, on formula, then we fizzled out the the breastfeeding and it was, I it's so funny because my kids didn't, they didn't really protest once it stopped and that was great. Like we didn't, we've never really had to do much weaning for either of them, like weaning off the breast, weaning off the bottle even. They're just like chilling. They're just like, hey, as long as I have food in some way, shape or form, I am good lady. <laughs> yeah, I think, so to answer your question, how'd you come to the conclusion? I just saw... For Malachi, setting that eighteen month goal, I just the flexibility worked for me. I love the idea of giving my baby like breast milk nutrition because it really is like magical food in terms of nutrition, in terms of immunity, in terms of all the magic stuff that's in breast milk. I wanted to give him that as long as possible, and because it was working for me and my and my life and my schedule, and you know it would only allow him to thrive that much more. I wanted to go as long as possible. So different plans, though, different plans. And I'm going to be doing an episode on breastfeeding and breast milk and my journey with uh, with breastfeeding in another episode. It is it is deserving of its own episode because it's just one of the most beautiful things and the hardest things I've ever done. And I think there's a lot of curiosity around there. So let's jump into the next question. It's Carly B. How do you deal with growth spurts and recessions, go with the flow or prep for it. I'm not sure what you mean by recessions, growth spurts and recessions, maybe like physically or developmentally. We'll go with that. Also, thank you, Carly, for submitting questions. Carly is someone that I've met on met through the IG world. And she is a beautiful mama of one. Thank you for asking the question. So how do I deal with growth spurts and recessions go with the flow or prep for it in a way that's like your child's going through something because their brain's getting bigger, they're getting smarter, the world is opening up around them and with that comes a ton of meltdowns and just just a lot of hiccups. So with like growth spurts tend to come like sleep regressions and things like that. So with Jade, we use this app called Wonder Weeks it's an app that basically can predict when your baby, you know, based, based on I'm sure just hundreds of thousands of baby growth charts or, 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 or growth data, it kind of tells you like here's when your baby's likely going to be going through a developmental stage and when they're probably going to be cranky and fussy, not sleeping well, not eating well, based on their projected due date. And it is shockingly accurate. At least it was for, for Jade. And I say that because we completely threw that app out the window with Malachi because I found for me, it actually gave me a bit of stress to anticipate that. But it was really helpful with Jade because I was a I was a new mom. I had no idea why she would be crying nonstop one day and then like fine the next day, sleeping through the night one day and then like super clingy and just... Inconsolable another day, and that app really helped me kind of um, look at oh well she's actually going through likely a a growth spur or a developmental leap they call them leaps I've it's a mixture of both I've sometimes when I when I need peace of mind and when I just need something to kind of give me a why or explain why my kid's going through something like that I would lean on on that app and be like oh look like she might be going through a developmental leap something that was you know kind of based in science but nowadays, now that I have both of them, and I feel like I've been through a lot of different experiences with with them going through growth spurts and hard days and hard weeks and unpredictable days or weeks, I am just like, you know what, we're just going to figure this out. We've gotten through so much stuff with them already, um, health-wise and sicknesses and tummy bugs and sleep regressions that... I know that there is so much more that is new, that is going to be new to me to come. But right now at this age, when just there's just so much that could be happening with them, you know, growth spurt wise, I just I try to go with the flow as much as possible, because it really, it really challenges me to be a better reactionary in the moment and to calm myself in the moment, rather than to, you know, unnecessarily anticipate or over plan or overstress myself out that I that I used to do before. So now in terms, when I initially read this question, I was just like, Oh, maybe she's asking about like growth spurts in terms of kids clothes, because I do have that is something I actually anticipate because our kids get so much stuff from our, our, our family, our friends, and it is such a blessing. But like to keep our, my to keep myself sane and our house running smoothly, I do need to like wean out old clothes to make room for new ones and to make sure that we're making regular donations. So one thing, I think I'll make a video on this, but I keep a box in both of my kids' closets regularly. And once I see things that are outgrown or just they're too far gone to be worn anymore. I will toss them in that box. When the box is full, I'll kind of ha- I'll set like a little session for myself to sort through and figure out like a donate pile versus a trash pile versus a sentimental or keep for future babies pile. And I'll do that probably once every 2 months. And they grow so fast that that box just fills up pretty instantly. So I'll do that with with clothes, shoes, blankets, things that they've just outgrown, and we will sort them to the best of our ability. So that is how we deal with that. Carly, you also asked another question. What are your, what are you most looking forward to as a mom seeing your kids grow up? Oh, that is such a sweet question. And I don't know how to answer it. I don't think I know. I don't think I know what I'm most looking forward to. I think, you know, maybe I'm excited for all the firsts. I'm excited to relive all of my firsts with my kids. So like first trip to Disneyland. So all those firsts, I think, are what makes being a parent so fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But I think something that I surprise myself in being excited for is I'm really excited, excited slash nervous to see how my, my relationship with my kids develops when they become young, young, a, a young man and a young woman. So when they're in their, their very formative years of high school, and understanding what their aspirations are, what motivates them what they're interested in i'm like really eager to know what their interests are going to be in terms of sports and academics and you know if they're into art like i'm really eager to kind of see where they want where they want to spend their time and what they want to do and just what interests them i think it's going to be it'll be i'm excited to see (laughs) what that looks like and i i I want to commit to being that mom that, like, lets them try everything. I know Maurice wants to do that, too, with the caveat of anything they try, they've got to finish. So I love that about that man. And, yeah, I think that's the most that's the most exciting thing for me. Oh, right. Ashley, Smashley Marie, what's up, Smashley? I love you, girl. And congratulations on your second baby. Ashley is expecting. I'm so excited for her. Smashy asks, <laughs> I looked at this question, I just laughed. Smashy asks, refrigerator, refrigerator organization hacks, we always end up wasting old food. I don't know if I'm the right person to be asking this question to. I actually DM'd Ashley on this um, when I got the question. I was like, Ashley, are you sure you want to ask me this question? And she was like, oh, yeah, I saw your morning vlog. I don't know if you should be. <laughs> but. I will let you know that we do try our best when we when we grocery shop and we get like specifically when we get a big Costco order. That's when we try to reset like we regularly reset. It doesn't stay that way. As you might have seen, it stays like that for maybe a couple days or like a week tops. But we try to organize our fridge in the following way. We've got a shelf specifically dedicated for grab and go snacks for kids. And that helps me with packing lunches. One thing I haven't stuck to, but I want to start implementing is putting sauces in drawers and putting produce indoors. And we've done it before and it's worked really well. But then I just reverted back to the old way, I think out of habit. But basically, the idea is if you can see your produce in the door, which you would be able to, you'll use it faster, and you'll not forget that it's there. And then sauces, which you really, you're always going to remember when you need a sauce, so like a ketchup or a hot sauce, or like a, you know, like a mustard or something, you put them in the drawer, there's no harm, no foul, because sauces have a really long shelf life in the fridge. And if you keep them in a drawer, it does not nothing's going to happen to it. So we are going to try and redo that. And then we have a shelf for our, like Maurice and I, like for our grab-and-go meals, we try to meal prep our lunches at the very least every week. Doesn't always work out, but when we do, we have a little section for that. And then I try to put other perishables, like tortillas, bread, things that are not incredibly quickly perishable, but are still perishable in a section as well. And then meats. Meats are also something I put in a drawer because I think it makes more sense than produce not the perfect answer but you know that's <laughs> we're doing it. I think our cabinets are more organized than our fridge. Our cabinets we 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 love to get those clear bins. You can get them at Target but they're way way cheaper at like a Marshalls or a TJ Maxx. Invest in a ton of bins and you don't need to like size them. I don't think you need to size them like you can find a way but like bins just make things more aesthetically visible and like intentional for when you grab and refill. I would suggest like taking 30 bucks and putting it into clear bins and then using those in cabinets and and in refrigerator. And the last question, I'm saving this one for last because I'm actually really nervous to answer it. And I got this question earlier in the week and I've been really thinking about it and it's a really good question. I think that just makes it an awesome question. So This one also comes from Mary-Kate. Thank you so much for asking this question because it really, really challenged me to think about my response. Mary-Kate says, you and Mo talked about wanting to have four kids. As one of four, I used to always think I wanted a lot of kids, but seeing how tough it is to be a mama these days makes me question if I can even handle two. So my question is, what excites you about having more kids? what potentially scares you how do you balance those out i had to sit there i had to sit there for a second and i also thought about this on my walk like the last for the last 3 days i thought about this what excites you about having more kids at first i wanted to be like because i want more kids like it's just such a hard question for me to answer and i really had to think about it i am going to be i am going to speak my truth here without fear of judgment and I feel like those that are taking the time and have gotten this far are not going to judge me. So I just feel this like draw in this God given desire to, to have a lot of children and to give those children the life that I want them to have and to give them a home to thrive in and to celebrate their Talents and to watch them grow up and to just live and experience that joy of building and growing my family. I, that is really the best way that I can say that without it sounding too cheesy, but I just know that I am meant to build and grow my family. It is hard, but I think it is probably Not probably. It is certainly the most rewarding experience that I've ever gone through. And I'm not even, I haven't even scratched the surface of this. And I know it's going to change. And I know it's going to get challenging in different ways. When I get past those tough days of having two kids and those battles with a toddler and being able to have hard days or weeks in a row But like taking the time to invest in communication and teaching them and then seeing them kind of run with that and learn and come into their own is the most rewarding experience. It is more, it is more rewarding than any job I've ever ever had, any promotion I've ever gotten, any, any place I've ever traveled to. Like there is, there is nothing, there is nothing I have lived through that can compare to my experience having children, building my family, and being a mother. That is what excites me. There are just so many, <laughs> there's so many dimensions to being a mom. Like there is the mundane day-to-day stuff that I think is very important and I love that. I just have the, I just, I feel just this natural draw to build my family and to be in that mundane day-to-day And there's just so much excitement, like first opportunity, like first, firsts, seeing firsts and teaching your kids lessons and showing your kids the world and teaching your kids values. Yeah, that is just, it's what excites me. When you, when you call out that we want four kids, it's definitely something that we have had to sit down and like ask ourselves, like, do we want more kids like for the hell of it? Or because like, this is really You know, meaningful to us, and that we can give all of these four kids like like way more than we would ever imagine. We check ourselves sometime to make sure, you know, oh, we're thinking about a third. You know, what does this mean financially? What does this mean in terms of what we might take away from the two we already have if we have a third baby? And there's always going to be a balance of, well, you know, that means we'd be splitting our time across three kids, or we need we would need to seek out more help, or we need to cut costs here and there. Like, what would that mean for our family unit right now? Those are very honest conversations that we need to continue having because maybe that changes. Maybe we realize, oh, this is not the right time financially to have three kids. We need to put both kids through school. We need to, you know, do this, this or that. So I love this question because we could want more kids for the right reason, but it, you, I, I might not be in the right circumstances to do that. I really appreciate this question <laughs> it, yeah it's it's a hard hitter so that is what excites me. what scares me I think what scares me is not taking the risks of having a big family more seriously than I already am so things like finances things like can I provide can I provide the best life for four, five kids? Or do I want to provide an even better life for two? Given where I'm at in my career, where my husband's at in his career, where do we have the means or, you know, the assets to build and give them a life that that we want them to. And I mean, life can mean so many things like life is only so material. But we want to be able to give like give them the space and the means to thrive and and carry out what they want to do and their interests and try new things. And I mean, you, it's a price tag, it's money, right? And childcare is not cheap in California, nor is it in the Bay Area, even more so. So that's what scares me is I uh, my desire and my draw to build my family outweighs the very real risks and considerations I should be taking more deeply about financial implications or what that might mean um, for for the kids I have now. At the end of the day, I know that, if we had six kids, we could figure it out. Like we would, we would make things work. We would make sacrifices where we need to. And then you asked, how do you balance those out? I guess I'm not really balancing them out right now. There's also a level of not wanting to overthink this. Like I, th- I think in being a mom, there is such a very real thing about mom instinct or mom intuition or trusting my gut, like trusting your, mo- your, your motherhood gut. And I think. I have to trust that I would feel like I will know when we should stop or when when our family is complete. I am seeking I am seeking God's wisdom and in, in guidance in, in our in the growth of our family and building our family. And I trust that with my trust and my faith that I will know. What those what the right decisions are in that in that regard for for building our family. So love this question. I feel like I could I could go on and answer, <laughs> and answer more for this question. But we need to grab a beer, girl. I know that it's overdue. <laughs> it is the hour mark. I love this AMA episode. Thank you for so many questions. We're gonna stop here because I would like to go spend some time with my man before we go get the kids. From their little PJ party. This weekend we are having an early Mother's Day celebration with my mom, my mother-in-law, and my sister-in-law. And it's going to be great because then next weekend it can just all be about me. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But no, I'm not kidding though. So I hope you guys are having a great weekend. I think the next episode will definitely surround breastfeeding, breastfeeding journey. I am also making a short list of guests that I'm going to be planting seeds with. It's always hard to know when our guest speakers will land. I say always, even though the the only two guests I've had so far are my husband and my sister in law. But yes, I want to have more guests. I think those are really fun conversations. So stay tuned for more guests. If you have a guest in mind that you would think would be a great fit for the show, share this podcast with them, and then send me a DM on who that is. That way I can start kind of, you know, sussing them out and seeing what they're about. If they've got like content out there, I would love to know who you might be a good fit or if you follow anyone else in the in the motherhood universe, that would be a great fit for for a conversation on this podcast. Just shoot them my way. Oh, one other question. I feel like I'm spitballing all these questions and requests, but <laughs> this is really important. I would love to know if you guys would like these episodes filmed. So, an option that we could do is like filming this type of long form content or podcast episodes. And obviously publishing them on podcast platforms, but also having the episode as a video on YouTube, let me know. And if that would be something you'd be interested in watching versus listening or doing a little bit of both, because that's something I've been considering. Let me know if that is something you'd be interested in, because I would definitely look into it and look into like the logistics of that. It would all be done out of my master bedroom, so, so the setup wouldn't be super fancy, but we would we would make things work. I'd get I would get some some lighting in here. I will also put a face on so that you don't see the dark circles under my eyes. Anyway, I hope you have a lovely rest of your weekend and that you are um, going to have a wonderful week. And thank you for tuning in this week. I love you guys, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.